This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all. It's uh, Stefan from St. Paul again. My, uh, I guess, question for the week is I'm amazed y'all didn't cover one of the biggest horror news, at least for Bloody Disgusting, was uh, VHS 94 getting picked up by Shudder. And also, I think it officially began production is what I saw, so they're going to crank it out fast. Um, What are some segments that you – thought would make good or some ideas you have for se- that would be good segments for a VHS movie. Uh, I know a lot of people complain that the wraparound isn't very good. So I guess if you want to touch on that, that'd be great. Uh, one that I had would be that it starts out with like a, a mom and pa video store is closing down and someone uncovers a box of blank VHS tapes and then they play them and it goes from there. Uh, yeah, thanks and keep up the great work. Bye. Thanks, Stefan. Uh, we're at a little bit of a loss for an answer to this one as far as being creative is concerned. <laughs> but we can come up with something just for you. Uh, so one of the ideas I was thinking was um, if it was if they met if they took like a uh, like a deep web approach. Like if it was something like, like you find like those old school, like the way videos used to be listed was basically just like a HTML link and you click on it and like a QuickTime video pops up or something like that. Um, I do like the idea of the video store, although it is a little bit scare packagey as uh, Xena and Megan both kind of thought. Although admittedly scare package is far more comedic in their venue (laughs) than VHS is intended to be. Um, Yeah, I mean, Megan, what did you think of the rapper? Like, in VHS 3, like, what do you think of the ice cream truck as far as, like, a wraparound without spoilers for people who haven't seen it, I guess? Can I be honest? I don't remember that. I remember, I know, I, I remember watching all of the movies, but I kind of get them mixed up. But the ice cream truck, it, it's gone. From my I'm brain. in a similar vein with Xena in the sense that I don't, to me, the wraparound never really matters at VHS. Like, it's the segments for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like that's the case with a lot of anthologies. It's merely the vehicle to deliver, you know, the package, like what people care about, which is the segments. So... Uh, Do you think that the wraparound can, like, inhibit the overall movie, though? Like, I I can think of a couple of anthologies where the wraparound context, like, it didn't make any sense. Probably. As far as, like, the the stories that were within it. Like, I don't understand how this is connected at all. Your question, though, if it can inhibit. I mean, probably everybody has different enjoyment, like, takeaways from an anthology and different ratings of segments you know what what work what segment works for me might be Zena's least favorite segment of the entire movie so yeah a wraparound right. definitely matters it doesn't matter as much for me personally but it can totally matter yeah i guess i'm more curious what they do with it the ice cream truck honestly i thought the ice cream truck was kind of fascinating like it didn't bother me like other people did because it was kind of like, what is this just madness that's going on? I don't know that it a hundred percent paid off for me at the end. I was just yeah. a little bit more confused. But ice cream trucks are inherently creepy to me. 
Yeah. There was an ice cream truck in my neighborhood a couple weeks ago. And my kids are like, ice cream. I was like, no. <laughs> it's like the Pied Piper. Exactly. Okay, second call. Hey, guys. It's Ryan from Erie. Calling in because I was listening and uh, reading on your Twitter feed about trying to find Uzumaki somewhere outside the United States. And I was doing this while I was cleaning out my physical media cabinets uh, here at my house. I've got a bunch of DVDs and old school horror movies that I can't find anywhere on streaming. So that got me to thinking, what are some of your guys' favorite physical media only movies? Movies that aren't available on streaming. But, uh, you know, maybe if we're looking to add some uh, non-streaming options to our collection, uh, what should we be looking for? Any favorite movies in particular or even uh, some of your favorite horror movies maybe with some great uh, commentaries on them or extra features, things you don't see on streaming anymore. Uh, keep up the good work. And uh podcast is awesome. Keep it up. Bye. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, I don't know anything about movies that are no longer available. I'm sure that there are some movies where if you suddenly told me those aren't available, they're not printed, you can't buy them anywhere, I'd be surprised on some level. But I couldn't name any specifically. Megan or Zena, can you think of any that you, like, you can't find streaming or DVDs? Like, they're just out of print? So I want to cheat, and I want to go first. So, <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> that's not cheating <laughs> well no i'm I'm gonna be cheating with with the question but uh oh, okay. so all right i have three the first okay. one's not really cheating the first one is open house from 1987 it's this outrageous movie about these realtors who's getting murdered by this mysterious person who just so happens to not be mysterious and you know who the killer is within 15 minutes and it's ridiculous <laughs> but i love it also there's a fly that lands on a woman and she's screaming for like five minutes long it's insane sliding down down a bathroom wall but okay <laughs> i can find the vhs of this one yeah but for some reason i can't find it on dvd or blu-ray and if i do find it like actually i found it a couple of years ago but for shipping it was like 200 dollars. so it's like what yeah like the movie was only like 10 dollars, but then the shipping was crazy so <laughs> okay. i was just like no that's insane so then all right so that's that's one because i don't think that that one's like streaming anywhere it used to be on YouTube, and it probably still is, but it's like a terrible copy. So, um, and then this other one, these are this is where I, I start cheating, and I don't care. Okay, I break the rules. <sighs> so, <laughs> all right, Cursed from two thousand and five. Technically, yes, it is streaming. I know for sure that it's streaming on HBO Max, but I would love to have like bonus features on the DVD Blu-ray yeah. because apparently that's not the movie we were supposed to receive. You know, there's you like a the whole craven cut. Release the craven yes. cut. Yes, that's all I want. Like, I want to see the original um, footage. I want to see the original cast. Like, I know like Skeet Ulrich was in it. Uh, Mandy Moore, Omar Epps, um, like a whole bunch of people. Like, show me. And then show even me. the um, <laughs> the the kills. I heard that they were a lot more gorier. And and like, I won't spoil it, but someone gets it in an elevator and that's actually like my favorite one of my favorite scenes but i heard that it's even worse than what it is i was like what so i really need that one in my life yeah. so just give it to us we want it all then the second well the third one the final one um this one it is streaming but again I break the rules. So Silent Night, Deadly Night, the entire franchise. So there's like six movies. Yeah. And the more you go on, the more it gets ridiculous. But yes. there's just something about it that I really enjoy that just, I don't know, warms my heart. So um, it would just be great just to have like one DVD or one Blu-ray that has all of them on it and special features, you know? like Yeah. Nice wow. little box set. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It. But what about you, Megan? I also took an all-over-the-map approach to this. Um, to <laughs> piggyback off of the Craven cut, I want the Anderson cut of Event Horizon with the lost footage. Oh, we yes. all do. Yeah, so that's, so that's like a far-off fantasy-type situation. Um, then The Blob 1988 remake is never really on streaming. I think you could probably find it on VOD, like, to rent occasionally, but I don't recall them ever really putting it out on a platform that makes it even easier to 
to. I think it's been a while. I know I yeah. watched it streaming somewhere, but I'll bet it's been at it's least been a long time. five, six, seven years. Yeah, it's weird. Um, but I do love, like, I, I recommend owning it. The Scream Factory um, Collector's Edition was pretty swell. Um, I think I had, like, a Twilight Time release before that. I own multiple copies of The Blob because I'm that kind of nerd. Um, so, yeah, I just, I threw that out there because for some reason it's, you just don't see that pop up very often. Not nearly as obscure as, say, like, Near Dark streaming, but, yeah. Um, and then to get a little bit more deep cut, I went with Wild Zero because it's not on streaming and it's not on blue. It's out of print on DVD. So, what the fudge, people? I feel like, for the love of God and all that it's holy, put it out on blue. Put it out on streaming so that it can find an audience. Yeah. Um, because that movie is so great and so much fun. And then if we're going even further back for VHS, that doesn't really... That was pre-special uh, features, really. I think they, they did some... Some VHS had special features. But, like, Eyes of Fire, that 1983 kind of frontier witchcrafty movie that nobody ever hears about because it's been trapped on VHS forever and never even made it to DVD. That's one. Or Mr. Frost where Jeff Goldblum or Jeff Goldblum was. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. That's also trapped on VHS. If we could uh, catapult that into the new age. So these movies don't slip through the cracks and fall by the wayside. That would be swell. But yeah, that was just kind of like my tip of the iceberg answer for you. That covered all, all grounds. I don't have anything else to add to that. I agree with Event Horizon, and you guys lost me with everything else out there, with the exception of the blob. I do know a little bit about commentary tracks, though. Okay. Like, back, I want to say it was probably seven or, actually, probably ten years ago or so. I was working at a job, and I was working from home, and it was very data entry just mind-numbing sort of working spreadsheets. And it was pre-Netflix. It was Hulu had just kind of started to be available out there. So, but I was sitting the at the time my office in my old house and there was no TV or anything. So, but I had a laptop that had a DVD player. So I just put a DVD in. That would be my background noise. I'd go through the day. But after, you know, a few months six, seven, eight months, you go through all your DVDs. I didn't necessarily want to rent a movie and watch it while I was at work, like a brand new movie. So I'd go through the special features. So I went through the commentary tracks of like every single movie I had. And side note, some of the best commentary tracks are from Adam McKay and Will Ferrell movies because they don't talk about the movie. They improvise everything about what's going on, especially Talladega Nights is hilarious. Um, uh, if you ever watch Tropic Thunder, Robert Downey Jr. actually does stay in character through the DVD <laughs> commentary, just like the line in the movie. Yeah, it's crazy and does not hold up anymore. <laughs> um, but as far as horror movies are concerned, Evil Dead, Bruce Campbell. So I have the Necronomicon uh, edition of the Evil Dead. That was like the, the fake rubber uh, box for it that I got at Best Buy. And I think there's like three or four different commentary tracks on there, which is funny because one of them is Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. One of them is just Bruce Campbell. And then it's like some cast and crew, et cetera. Like the old ones, they used to have like four commentaries. It was just different segments of the crew and stuff like that. But the, the Bruce Campbell standalone one was actually pretty funny because he doesn't necessarily talk fondly about the movie <laughs> as much as like the moments where he was really mad at Sam, like during production. It's actually kind of funny to listen to him because he's kind of like watching like, and then this happened. <laughs> like he's a little upset. It's pretty funny. But unfortunately, yeah, they got rid of commentary tracks on movies. So I just, I couldn't think of any and it bums me out. I had so many old ones that just didn't even have commentary tracks, like Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street that they never bothered to go back with. But, yeah, if anyone has recommendations for good commentary tracks, I'd love to hear them, though, for uh, sure. I will throw one out there because your, your uh, answer sparked this. But because you are right, a lot of the commentaries are, and special features are like on new releases are just non-existent 
But uh, Lee Wanell gives good DVD or Blu-ray commentary, mm. and uh, the Invisible Man commentary is great. He's very funny. Wow, they actually did commentary for the Invisible Man. Yeah, it is worth watching. I'm impressed or listening nice. to. Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone, the podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist, Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hello. And you know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixa. And hey, Zena. Hi. And I'm John. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. And if not, we're going to do our quick round the table for the movies, books, games, or anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile too. So Zeno, what's been filling your heart this week? Uh, so I recently checked out Return of the Living Dead Part 2 from 1988 on Amazon. It's been years since I've seen it. I think probably I was like a kid the last time I watched it. So this one is about curious kids who unearth the barrels that previously helped revive the dead, which proves that the second time, time is uh, un, is an undead charm. Um, yeah, that's uh, from Rotten Tomatoes, I think. Um, but yeah, I feel like this one is unique and cheesy and there's like nonstop action. And um, I feel like it's a really entertaining zombie movie. And I feel like it's it's a great gateway horror for like younger fans. You know, um, there is more funny than actual scary. There's really no scary, but the zombies look cool. Um, but yeah, you know, after these kids, they uh, find this barrow in a sewer. Um, they find this, you know, and it just so happens to have this chemical that reanimates the dead. Um, yeah, and then it just goes from there. You know, you kind of, you like the main little boy, but then there's like a bully and, you know, come on, whatever. Anyway, but yeah, I love that this movie doesn't take itself too seriously. And honestly, I was in need of some zombie love. And this is a perfect zombie horror comedy adventure. Again, perfect for kids or perfect if you just need something light. So I also like that it's like uh, it's almost to me like the Evil Dead 2 of the trilogy in a way. Yeah. Because they, like, recast some of these same actors from the first one. And use some of the same lines, too. Yes, so. yes. But, yeah, one of my uh, favorite scenes, and I feel like I'm always talking about it for some reason, Um, it's when Joey, Joey was also in the first one, he bit his girlfriend's head like an apple. Like, he just, Yeah. Like... <laughs> was that the, if you love me, you'll let me eat your brain? Yeah, like, what? Yeah. No. How does that make sense? <laughs> That's not love. <laughs> But yeah, again, if, if you need a little joy and you can you can check this out if you want. Uh, then the next thing I checked out, The Shed from 2019 on Shudder. Stan lives with his abusive grandfather and tries to protect his best friend from his best friend from high school bullies. When he discovers a bloodthirsty creature has taken refuge inside the tool shed, he tries to battle the hungry creature alone until his bullied friend discovers the creature has far more sinister plan. So I feel like this is uh, one of those movies that it kind of showcased like a dark path of uh, revenge, but it's still a horror. So meaning this movie kind of went in a different direction than I thought. I mean, reading the the synopsis, like obviously, you know, that there's going to be there. There's like this little uh, creature vampire in a shed and, you know, you know, what's going to happen, you know, but I actually like the fact that this could have came off as a cheesy after school special which I would have enjoyed. I'm all for it, you know, but it didn't. It has like a 80s vibe to it, 80s horror vibe, even though it's modern time. And uh, this vampire, I think it's like super cool, like the way it looks and that it's like, it's very vicious and like, it just so happens to be like ancient type of evil, but it still looks pretty cool and new. Like it has orange eyeballs and like shark-like teeth. Like, and it's just, again, it's just brutal. So, um, but yeah, there are some familiar tropes in this one, but I feel like it has a really strong message. Like, obviously don't be a bully. I mean, because that person that you're bullying, they could lure you into a shed or something worse, you know, but you know, seriously, it's, uh, I, I like that this is like real life horror and there, then there's actual like bloody gory horror. So it has like a very personal story. So like, you know, um, about bullying and, and rooted trauma. So you kind of see what happens to a person who's been abused or traumatized their entire life, you know, and say if something like that happens, this is like so far fetched, but say if they just so happen to find like a vicious vampire living in their backyard, would they use that lethal, 
supernatural monster, you know, as a key to their revenge, you know? Yes. So, I mean, yeah, you oh. know, not even without hesitation. Yes. Oh, yeah, so, Sorry, I forgot you weren't just talking directly to me about that question, but yes. Yeah, but it's just, I don't know. Like, I don't but know. Then what if the do you do with deserve... it after, John? Uh, you know, one problem at a time, Megan. But I don't know if, if the bully deserved that, like the stuff that was happening. It was, it was really awful i mean really entertaining but whoa you know <laughs> but again you know I, I just really like this movie i like the fact that it, it confronts um real life issues and um again the vampire looked really cool so i just had a lot of fun watching it and i just kind of put it i threw it on um originally because i wanted to like work while i was you know just having something to listen to but yeah i found myself just watching instead of working but it was a really good time so Yay. that's what i watched very cool but i watched you? stuff too <laughs> Let us know. Uh, I am in the middle of a move. Uh, at least the bulk of it's done. But yeah, that's what I spent last week doing. So instead of digging out my Blu-ray of The Frighteners, I watched it on Stars for its 25th celebration, which is actually while we're recording today. Yay. But yeah, it was released 25 years ago on uh, July 19th. Um, so yeah, it's available on Stars if you don't have it on physical media. Uh, after a tragic car accident that kills his wife, a man discovers that he can communicate with the dead to con people. However, when a demonic spirit appears, he may be the only one who can stop it from ki uh, from killing the living and the dead. We've talked about it before, especially because it happens to be one of John's favorites. He he really likes this one. Um, so I do. it's underrated. It it it. I I'm actually it surprised is. because like in the 25 years, like when it was released, it came pretty close on the heels of box office juggernaut independence day so it didn't really stand a chance especially for it being kind of more of a quirky horror comedy um and it's obviously like a lot of horror movies developed a following over the years but i didn't realize how alone that people felt like i i thought i was the only one that knew this movie is a lot of responses that i've seen today in regards to like you know the the 25th celebration um but i i kind of thought that the cast has gotten a lot of love from fans in the years so i was really kind of looking at it more of um from a special effects standpoint because obviously the 90s was that transitionary phase where cg started to be heavily Im implemented um it's you know to the point of taking over a lot of practical effects and especially for Peter Jackson, like this was, you know, hot off the heels of Heavenly Creatures, which was a critical gem. And then this movie came and this was the last thing he did before Lord of the Rings trilogy, which really catapulted him in, in Hollywood and his fame. Um, and so he had one VFX computer working on Heavenly Creatures, and that was really just him trying to explore and dabble with it. And this was 30, and obviously that was the focus was working with the VFX and compositing these rotoscoped actors, you know, the ghosts, into the shots. But uh, there's a lot of practical work that I, I adore that doesn't get enough love. You know, Rick Baker did the judge, his makeup effects. Um, there's makeup effects actually underneath the VFX. And, you know, there's miniatures, lots of miniature work that it just blends so well, nobody picks up on it. So, yeah. Um, and then I stuck with my Stars um, trial subscription and kept it light and breezy, and I watched Piranha 3D, the 2010 <laughs> horror comedy. Light and breezy. Sorry. It's light and breezy. I think it is light and breezy. I think it is uh, gory, perhaps, but it is light and breezy. Um, after a sudden underwater tremor sets free scores of prehistoric man-eating fish, an unlikely group of strangers must band together to stop themselves from becoming fish food for the area's new razor-toothed residents. It is such a goofy comedy. And it's like, it's Alexandra Aha, so he brings some suspense and he definitely brings the gore but you can't tell me it's not light and breezy when you open with Richard Dreyfus literally singing the song from Jaws as he's fishing in a boat in the lake before he gets eaten and Christopher Lloyd is the go-to marine biology it's it's such a silly movie and Jerry O'Connell who uh, is kind of like the Girls Gone Wild spoof character. And, you know, I actually saw this in theaters in 3D. 
And really, it's it was in that craze where a lot of them didn't fully make use of the 3D, but mm-hmm. they did take special care for his severed penis to be 3D. Yeah, you can know. I didn't see the 3D version, but I remember watching the regular version being like, this was supposed to be in 3D. Yeah, it was. So that's a that's a fascinating focus. <laughs> <laughs> I I guess I appreciate that we're getting some more full frontal in the most bizarre way. Sure. I don't know. If tec- that's not technically full frontal. I, I, that's part, technically just frontal? one very specific part. <laughs> well, you know, they tried a for effort. And Piranha 3 Double D is now on Tubi, I saw. It yeah. is, but I have not seen that one. I've heard terrible things, which either. doesn't mean that I shouldn't give it a shot, but I have, I still have yet to see it. And I had a pretty short week. Uh, so if, if anybody listened to the last episode and they're like, hey, it sounds like there's some editing mistakes in this. It's because I rushed to get this posted because I went out of town and I was gone all week. So I had to cram a whole lot of horror movies in uh, before. Well, actually, after I got back. You did it. First up. I did it. And I added one today on top Ooh. of it. I didn't have to, but I did it just for you listeners. <laughs> oh, shucks. First up, Megan's pick, 2019's Depraved on Hulu. A disillusioned field surgeon suffering from PTSD makes a man out of body parts and brings him to life in a Brooklyn loft. Which isn't really the best synopsis IMDb, but it's, eh, it is what it is. So uh, why this one, Megan? Because I think that uh, Larry Fessenden does not get enough appreciation for what he does with indie yeah. horror. He makes that dollar stretch so far. Uh, and yeah. also, I think that just when you think you've seen a particular story that's been done and done and done for centuries, you think that that's all it's it's been exhausted. Uh, I, I was pretty impressed with how he kind of breathed new life into the Frankenstein story. Yeah, so what this, if you couldn't pick up from it from the synopsis or Megan's explanation, this is the story basically of the New Age Frankenstein. Although it does acknowledge that Frankenstein exists in that world as a piece of fiction, towards the very end they're kind of joking about calling him Victor Frankenstein and things. Uh, I agree. This was a really, this was a really well done rehash of material that's been done so many times before. And we've talked about this multiple times in the past, especially in the horror news. Like, just if you're going to redo it, fine. Just show me a different way. Right. Show me a different way to do vampires. Show me something else. And they do a really good job of it. It's a combination of, like the synopsis said, a, a field surgeon, a medic from uh, over in Afghanistan, has pretty horrible PTSD because he's constantly trying to repair people to the point of people are losing limbs and he wants them to not lose limbs. He wants to figure out how leading to the Frankenstein-esque experiment. Uh, There's plenty surrounding the acquisition of the body for the experiments, Um, but that's part of the plot. You have to watch that for yourselves because that's very spoilery. Um, But it also, they do a pretty good job. Obviously, you can only do so much for actually digging into like the psyche of the monster, like processing, trying to get through it. And it does pretty good job touching on aspects of Mary Shelley's work. I mean, I, one of the, the one of the characters and it's even named Shelley. It's kind of like, oh, okay, obviously. It's just like I've noticed almost every horror movie, there's a room 237 now. It's crazy how often an address or a room number is 237 in horror movies. But uh, like the concepts of um, like the monster uh, teaching himself languages. He's reading, he's got the spare time. He's more complex, but he's also alone and he's like traumatized by his own existence and you can only go so deep in a movie versus a novel, but I thought it did a really good job. Uh, totally recommend it as a watch. It's on Hulu. Uh, go check it out. And then I watched Xena's pick, 2006 Wicked Little Things on Tubi. Karen, Sarah, and Emma Tunney are all moving to a small town in Pennsylvania where, unknown to them, in 1913 a horrible mine accident trapped dozens of children alive underground. But there's a problem. They're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, IMDb. All right, Zena, why this one? Um, well, I'm a huge fan of the uh, horror festival Eight Films to Die For, and I love that this movie is based on true events. 
plus there's dead creepy kids and the atmosphere is just unsettling i remember when i first watched it just like the setting alone creeps me out like why it kind of reminds me of where i live which is crazy except it's not on a hill and there's not dead people but i remember <laughs> watching <laughs> like so thanks nothing for clarifying like that there's no yeah, dead like, people but i live in the middle of nowhere that's what i mean so it's okay. it was kind so of like there could be dead people you don't there know there could be there could be so and it's so weird because i i watched it like back at this back in 2006 and I'm like, why do people live in the middle of nowhere now look at me look at me now did you go <laughs> yeah but no that's 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 all so what do you think tell us i didn't know this was actually based on a real mining accident i didn't actually dig that far into it that's super sad yeah um i liked it it, it did not it, it actually wasn't anything that i thought it was going to be as it was happening Ooh. like it avoided cliches and tropes a lot better than i expected um from everything from like the teenager interactions like mm -hmm. i'm like oh this is going to be cheesy have a handed or oh, okay they're friends yeah. and then stuff happens <laughs> um and with, with the except with the exception of i felt like the tagline for this should just be sarah <laughs> sarah <laughs> Sarah, she yells her little daughter's name so many times. It's like after she wanders off once, oh. put a bell on her. What are you doing? Okay, she let that girl wander off so many times. That's the that's the only thing I'll say about this movie is that that little girl, like she was so annoying because, and then she's too old to be <laughs> going off in the woods by herself. What are you doing? And you know, the mom was too nice. Like, honey, what are you doing here? No, what what are you doing here? You know, well, they kind of explained that away. She was a young mother, and yeah. her, her husband had just died from terminal mm -hmm. illness, so maybe she was trying to take on that I'm best friends with Mike. Yeah. Although, that's a good point. They didn't really build up her character that much. Mm -hmm. She was there reacting more than anything. Her character development was not quite... You know, even if it had been something more along the line like Piwacket <laughs> or something where... Yeah, she turned horrible after the fact, but there was some sort of like rationale, et cetera, as opposed to the husband died and that's why we're moving here. Right, right. Just I'm sorry. kind of the extent of it. I'm still laughing. You said the tagline should be Sarah. I was screaming it should Sarah. Be. Sarah. She yelled it so many times. Oh, gosh. And that girl is just traipsing off through the woods to go talk to zombies. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a little Zena, I'm not, That's not spoilers. That would be a little Zena wandering no, off into the woods come to talk on. to zombies. Uh, zombies? No, I wouldn't go talk to them. In the dark woods? No. <laughs> that's crazy. Know it, she didn't know what zombies were at first. It was just a playmate who lived in a mine. Could have been a psycho <laughs> Gorman. Oh. <laughs> uh, I am endlessly fascinated by who Xena likens herself to as a child. Yeah. <laughs> that could be its own game. Yes. I don't I don't really think that Mimi was really that you guys really thought that she was that bad. Like Are you kidding? She's a sociopath. She's a sociopath. I thought she was a normal little girl. Like it just She was no, ready to no, burn the world no. to the ground. <laughs> I guess that says a lot Amusing about me. Amusing for the sake of a movie, but yes. Psycho Gorman's an amazing movie, but I mean, but if I this child that... existed in real life, uh, hide all of the sharp objects in the house. I think it would be fun. You know, you can sing and dance with her. You can play games. You know, you just have to step your game up. Don't be a sore loser. No, you don't you step lose. your game up. She wins hands down. That's it. Well, that's because she she bullied her brother. She would not be bullying me. Like, what do you think this is? I don't care if you're a little girl. You're going to lose today. So. Now I want to see that sequel. I know. <laughs> we we have the next Psycho Gorman sequel. Forget an intergalactic battle. We need a Xena versus Mimi uh, crazy ball showdown. I think we would just Amazing. be friends. Make it happen. Yeah. Call us. Uh, I did enjoy it. It's a easy watch. You know, there's there's nothing overly distracting. Like there there's some plot holes that confused me mm -hmm. a little bit. Like as far as the zombie children and their process, we'll say. Um, but it was it it was pleasantly original. Not not mind blowing, but it wasn't right, right. full of cliches and tropes like zombie stuff can so awesome. easily be. So I don't know. That kind of makes me think uh, if there's other uh, movies from like the festival because I know that they have like a really awesome 
which I can't really reveal to you. I would just recommend not look. You know what? I might recommend that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna zip it. I'm gonna zip it. Go ahead. All right, you just wait. You wait. <laughs> uh, and then I rounded things off. Um, before we before we recorded today, I sat down and watched The Empty Man on HBO Max. Yes. I kept hearing so many people talking about it, and it finally became uh, available on HBO. So I figured I'd give it a shot. On the trail of a missing girl, an ex-cop comes across a secretive group attempting to summon a terrifying supernatural entity, which is more of a synopsis than I knew going in. I didn't know anything that I was about to watch when I watched it. I was more fascinated by the concept. So super high level version of it that you get this from the trailer. Stand on a bridge at night, blow into a bottle, think about this quote unquote empty man and he'll arrive. And you have like three days before you die. And I was like, okay, that sounds cool. I'll give that a shot. I like ritual style, things like that. It, it went way beyond what I thought it was going to be. Um, it, I, I enjoyed it, it but I was, a, I was definitely confused by a lot of parts to the point where it got to the ending. And the ending got way deeper than I thought it was going to, to the point where I'm like, okay, now I don't quite know what's going on. Like it seemed way more surface level through a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of get to the end and you're like, uh, like tonally it shifted enough where I'm like, I don't quite understand what's going on. I'm willing to give it another watch, but. I like that you, first of all, were like, I was out of town and had no time. So I crammed three movies. <laughs> and one of the movies you crammed is nearly two and a half hours long. Yeah. I know. I I regretted it after I hit play, but I was like, I can do this. But for me, Empty Man is like committed. three movies in one. It really mm-hmm. is. Like the first really opening sequence is an entire movie. Then you've got this middle section, which is an entire movie. And then you've got a third section, which is a whole separate movie. And it's ambitious as hell that people are yeah. raving for. It's not for me personally. But I admire it. I admire yeah. the hell out of it. I've heard some really strong positive reactions yeah. about it. And Same. that's why I wanted to give it a shot. And I'd seen the trailer, so I was curious. Um, I agree. It isn't necessarily for me to be like in the regular rotation where I'm like, oh, Empty Man's on. I want to check that yeah. out again. I'll give it another watch because I feel like there was stuff that I could watch again to see like, is this going to make more sense this time around? Or is it really supposed to be up to my interpretation? Yeah. They, Um, I feel like they, they had, this is not necessarily a spoiler because it's something that's kind of there from the beginning, but it's, they play with this whole concept of Tulpa, but the way that they do doesn't actually fit with what a Tulpa is, which makes it confusing Mm -hmm. for me. Uh, yeah. For those of you who don't know what a tulpa is, listen to the podcast Creepy and the episode entitled Tulpa. There you <laughs> that's, go. Plug. That's the best promotion <laughs> I've ever done for myself. Good job. <laughs> Proud of you. It's a really old episode. You have to go way back. But yeah, that, there there was a lot of stuff that kind of meshed in and there's like secret society stuff. Although Steven Root's in it and I love Steven Root. Like he's one of those guys. He's kind of like Stanley Tucci. Like, pretty much any role, like, I'll watch that role. Like, he just, it just works for me. And maybe I joined that cult because he convinced me. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I I would, I'd recommend people give it a watch because I'm curious. And like Megan said, it is a, it's a brave attempt at what they were doing because it's, like she said, it's basically three movies in one that tonally are very, very different from each other. So, um, yeah, just go in. Don't don't read anything else about it. I'm curious, too, because I didn't know anything about it beyond the trailer going in. So I'd be curious to hear what other people think of it. So before we move on, what did we watch and how do we watch it? I watch Return of the Living Dead Part 2 on Amazon and The Shed on Shudder. I watched The Frighteners and Piranha 3D on Stars. I watched Depraved on Hulu, Wicked Little Things on Tubi, and The Empty Man on HBO Max. All right, uh, before we move on, what am I watching next week? Xena, uh, are you up first? I'm not ready yet. Megan, you're up first. Thank you. <laughs> Messiah of Evil, have you seen that? I have not even heard of it. It's on Shudder. Nice. 
I need to, you know, I need to just sit down and binge more Shutter lately. I I got into it a few weeks ago, and I was like, it's just, it's so easy to just be like, oh, I want to watch that. Oh, I want to watch that. I've been watching too much Tubi lately. <laughs> All right, Zeno. Okay, I'm. What do you got? I'm ready now. You're ready. <laughs> um, have you seen? I guess I'll stick to Shutter. Have you seen the Furies on Shutter from 2019? What was that about? Uh, Super high level. This woman participates in a game that's pretty dangerous. I don't. It's Australian, if that helps. Thank you, Megan. I don't think I have. I don't think I've seen an Australian movie since I watched Boar a couple years ago. Okay. The Furies. Yeah, The Furies. Shutter. Perfect. I'll. There you go. Now I just get to turn on Shutter all week, and I'm golden. Yay! Works for me. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So what's going on, Megan? Comic-Con at-home programming is going heavy on the horror this year. Uh, Much like last year, for obvious reasons, San Diego Comic-Con returns this year with a virtual event. It runs this weekend from July 23rd to the 25th, and they packed the schedule with an insane amount of content panels that you could watch from the comfort of your own home. Um, And that's really good news for horror fans. AMC Networks has quite an extensive lineup of panels, including The Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, The Walking Dead World Beyond, and Creepshow. Uh, Bloody Disgusting is being represented on two panels at this year's Comic-Con at Home. Uh, AMC Networks is also highlighting Shudder's upcoming release of VHS 94. That's right. Uh, VHS 94 will be an exclusive Shudder release. And it is the latest entry in Bloody Disgusting's anthology franchise. And uh, they are also going to be having a slasher flesh and blood panel, which is going to be hosted by me. I'm hosting it. Yay! Um, Yay! That's awesome! Yay! So the VHS panel begins uh, Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern and will feature co-creator Brad Miska, producer Josh Goldblum, and segment directors Simon Barrett, Timo Chianto, uh, Jennifer Reeder, Ryan Prowse, and Chloe Okuno. And then Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, Shudder presents the original horror anthology event series uh, Slasher Flesh and Blood, featuring stars David Cronenberg, Paula Brancati, Rachel Crawford, showrunner Ian Carpenter, and Slasher series creator Aaron Martin. And it will debut a first-look trailer of the series, which will be out in uh, August. So, yeah. And then, if that's not enough horror news for you... Also on Friday is an Amazon panel that's covering like a variety of their upcoming slate, but it does have buried in there a look at uh, or a discussion on I Know What You Did Last Summer, the TV series. Uh, Fear Street Trilogy, if you didn't get enough of Fear Street Trilogy, um, that uh, Netflix is bringing that panel that will include Arl Stein and Lee Janiak, among others. Uh, Shudder will also have an additional panel on uh, upcoming original horror noir anthology, a follow-up to the documentary. Yeah. Uh, so, this, yeah, I think that's pretty cool that it's like, here's a documentary that inspired an actual anthology film. Um, and probably the biggest news that's overshadowing everything, there will be a Legacy of Chucky panel on Sunday that celebrates the 30-plus years of the franchise and will include a trailer premiere for the upcoming sci-fi series. So if you want to get an idea or feel um, and figure out when everything's playing, you can find the schedule and details on comic-con.org. So, yeah. Um, and Julia DeCarno's Titane won the 2021 Palm d'Or at this year's Cannes Film Festival. So if wow. everybody mm-hmm. saw Raw and was super pumped to see what she's doing next, apparently kicking ass is what she's doing next. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Raw director Julia DeCurno's latest shocker, Titan, it just premiered at Cannes to crazy all over the map uh, reviews and reactions. Mm-hmm. Bizarrely, the fest program says the 
this is what they describe the synopsis. They say it follows a series of unexplained crimes where a father is reunited with the son who has been missing for 10 years. Titane, a metal highly resistant to heat and corrosion with high tensile strength alloys. That's the synopsis. But that seems to be a very vague understatement, misdirect. I'm not sure because the reactions mm-hmm. out of the fest make it sound like a genre bender about a serial killer that likes to have sex with cars. So okay. crash. No, no, crash is different. Crash no, is David, sex with victims of car crashes. <laughs> yeah, but it, it is very similar in that regard. It's like David Cronenberg-esque. Uh, yeah, so Vice called it a gory new masterpiece and to prepare for carnage, while IndieWire's David L. Ehrlich says, DeCorno follows Raw with one of the wildest films to ever screen at Cannes. It's a daringly queer and undoubtedly controversial ride, resulting in a most uncommon monster movie, a cross between David Cronenberg's Crash and the uterine horrors of Takashi Miike's Gozu. Uterine horrors. Uh, and that was from Variety's Peter DeBruge, who added uh, Julia DeCorno dares to challenge the boundaries of sexuality and taste with this bulletproof, nothing-to-lose body horror shocker. So it was, you know, that was last week when all of this was like, holy heck, when do we get Titan in our eye holes? Because this sounds wild. Uh, surprisingly, Titan won the coveted Palm d'Or, the highest prize awarded at Cannes Film Festival. She's the second woman in Cannes history to win the prestigious award. Uh, awesome. The previous was Jane Campion, who tied for the award with her uh, 1993 film, The Piano. The film does not have a release date yet, but it was acquired by Neon, who clearly has an eye for, you know, these prestigious films because they picked up Parasite last and that swept some Oscars. So it's only a matter Mm -hmm. of time. Uh, John, how does this sound? It's being hyped as a body horror film. I know you adore body horror. As long as there's not holes in people. <laughs> I mean, there could be. Uh, you know, I watched the trailer. It, it looks so... I mean, it looks very on brand for what Raw was. It's very... I actually don't have words for it. it it's yeah. so... Everything about, you know, the, the trailer syn- or the synopsis that you read is a lot like watching the trailer. It's super disjointed. Like what? Very yeah. confusing what's going on. Like, the only, the only Titan... Uh, parallel that I could see like out of the trailer is at one point someone's wearing one of those halo head supports like is that what they're talking about but then how does that come into it and I'm sure I don't know I mean again like some body horror I'm okay with like in certain doses I mean I can watch Videodrome and Videodrome theoretically should be pretty tough for me to watch not just because James Woods is in it but just it's some weird body horror um i don't know i mean raw was so good i mean raw is body horror yeah ish yeah sort of ish yeah um it's really how it's done you know like if body horror is the point or the focus of what's going on i get pulled out of it like i don't like it being thrown at me but if it's within the context of a like, what am I watching? Or just like captivated by the storytelling or anything else, I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. I get it. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm curious. I'll definitely watch it. I get it. It's body horror. Plus, it, I don't know, it's winning awards. It's winning awards. No. I love how you say it's winning awards. I guess I'll watch it's it. <laughs> I don't win awards. Oh, we'll this make one you awards. one. We'll cut it out of construction paper. <laughs> I don't want your pity award. Well, too bad. You get in it. You shouldn't have said that. That's what my kids are for. My kids are to make me pity awards. But Zeta, reaction. I know you had thoughts. Yeah, I I like the movie Raw, and I like the director. But kind of like what John said, okay, when it comes with the trailer, because I did watch it earlier today, I have no idea what's going on, but I am intrigued and I'm in. So. Same. Here we go. Same. Uh, 1980s horror novel series Necroscope finally is making its way to the screen. Author Brian Lumley's series of horror novels under the Necroscope banner have been adapted to screen. Like, they've never been adapted to screen, but that's finally changing. 1980, that's a little over 40 years of of a series that's gone strong and Don't never been picked up. Don't talk about how long ago 1980 was. <laughs> Poor John. We're just gonna, we're just gonna... 
r- push all the buttons for you today, huh? Uh, yeah, you are. <laughs> I just got home. <laughs> Welcome home. Welcome home. Thanks. Uh, Revelations Entertainment has acquired the rights to Lumley series, which is 18 books long, released between 1986 and 2013, and uh, adaptation plans for the novel series sound just as ambitious. They're being adapted across multiple media. That's not just movies. That includes episodic TV, video games, graphic novels, animated features, and whatever else they have yet to figure out. Um, The Necroscope universe allows us to explore the global themes of horror in a way never done before, and it's a great addition to our slate of epic, award-winning, large-scale IP, which includes work by sci-fi visionary Arthur C. Clarke, says Lori McCreary. Michael McKay adds, it's far too epic and simply too good to relegate it to a single film. We have a nuanced layer tapestry of sci-fi horror unlike anything that's ever been put on screen. It's a -a once-in-a-lifetime project. It deserves to be savored. The material deserves that, and so does the audience. There's so much to love about this series, but it boils down to one thing. Greatest bad guy ever. Glenn Hetrick, who uh, maybe you might be familiar with. He was one of the judges on Sci-Fi's Face Off series, which I loved. Uh, he's also on board promising in a statement, I am fully committed to breathing life into every molecule of the visually compelling elements that comprise this sprawling literary universe, and I intend to do so with a terrifying veracity. It is, in short, my life's work. Coupled with an integrity to both character and story, this unique approach will allow us to peel back the curtain for a brand new generation of global audience members while honoring the heritage, uh, the heritage, heritage so adored by massive fan base. Of course, we'll follow uh, Harry Keough through his journey while discovering the dread secrets of the shape-shifting alien vampire, and by plotting the main arcs across multiple seasons. We have an opportunity to take a deep dive into the psychic agents and that as they help unveil their shocking origin. So, yeah, I actually have never read any of these books. Have either of you? No, I haven't. Nope. Yeah, which is kind of exciting about going so far back. I mean, obviously there's a fan base that's built into such a large sprawling series, but you know, when we were talking about the past, I feel like the past few weeks of wanting more original instead of remakes. I mean, this isn't necessarily complete original, but I feel like it will be for so many people. Mm-hmm. So there's and some, go, go for it. No, I was going to say, and I like the fact that they're going to have like different medias for it. So not just movies, but you know, episodes and graphic novels and video games. That's an awesome idea because some books do not translate, you know? Absolutely. So really exciting. I'm excited about this. John's like, yep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and speaking of book news, Charlize Theron, Andy and Barbara Muschietti are going to develop the Final Girl Support Group series adaptation at HBO Max. Yeah, We have been talking about Grady Hendrix's latest novel, The Final Girl Support Group, a lot lately. And uh, it just released on the shelves on July 13. And rights had sold ahead of its release by, I feel like, a few months. Now HBO Max is developing an adaptation as a series with some very high caliber uh, producers behind it. The novel's title it refers to Los Angeles-based therapeutic support group for six final girls, survivors of mass murderer rampages whose experiences inspired the slasher franchises that saturated horror cinema in the 80s and 90s, earning them minor celebrity. Um, and they get drawn into a whole new kind of murder plot. Uh, Andy Muschietti is set to direct the pilot. Theron, AJ Dix, Beth Kono, and Andrew Haas will executive produce for Denver and Del- Delilah Films, along with Barbara and Andy Muschietti and Irene Jung for Double Dream, and Adam Goldward for Aperture Entertainment. So Hendrix is also going to serve as executive producer. So, nice. yeah. I'm sure you have not had a chance yet to read the book, John. Um, I don't know what else really there is to say because we have spent a lot of time these past few weeks talking about this novel, but what a dream to right? have these names attached to executive produce and for HBO Max, too. I feel like that's already going to be like have this lovely budget with this high caliber talent behind it yeah i'm excited i'm positive xena is and we're just gonna say john is too yeah i like i like grady hendrix i I wonder (laughs) i wonder if uh production being picked up by hbo 
has any impact on the likelihood of it actually happening. Because I know, like, I've known people who have gotten or been in talks with Netflix or Showtime in the past for series, and it just gets stuck because mm-hmm. of so many reasons. Like, True. executive producers are on great, but then you need the writers, you need the directors, you need so many other things greenlit before it actually happens. Yeah. So I wonder if HBO helps that, though. I would imagine everybody involved, Charlize Theron, Andy Muschietti, and Barbara, who, you know, previously did mega blockbusters it, Chapter 1 and Chapter 2, um, and then HBO Max with the budget. Mm-hmm. I also think that there's, and this is maybe from a horror's fan standpoint but i also think that there's you want to strike while the iron's hot because clearly slashers are really warming up big time now so if you don't move on it now then yeah so i kind of feel like all of the pieces are in place for yeah i don't necessarily see this falling through hope not no i i would love to see those adaptations but i'm still waiting on head full of ghosts so yeah yeah agreed yeah. All right, listeners, your turn. Excited to cosplay in your own living room? Looking forward to what sort of pity awards John will receive in the future? Let's hear about it. Numbers 224-475-1040. Numbers in the show notes, too. Or feel free to email us at bedisgustingpodcast at gmail.com or keep an eye on our social media accounts for chances to ask questions. Finally, Zena is going to make all our lives easier in this sea of horror movie options and clue us in on what's appearing soon that we should watch. So, Zena, what should we be watching? Bloody, disgusting TV. You need to <laughs> yeah. be watching it. That's first. <laughs> One day we're going to have to do a Zoom record so we can see Zena's face. That was such an impassioned <laughs> face. I want people to see. <laughs> people need to watch it. Also, side note, we're all wearing black shirts. Yeah. Yay. I'm wearing my Moon's Haunted shirt. Okay. I'm wearing John, a shutter. It's not t-shirt. a competition. Like <laughs> I am. Moon's Haunted. It's shutter. really cool. See, oh. she's got shutter. Mine says nothing. All right, moving on. So coming out. <laughs> now I want to just change. But okay. <laughs> moving on, coming out uh, on Tuesday, July 20th, The Nest. It will be available on VOD and DVD. As a mother becomes suspicious that her daughter may be infected by a parasitic creature, she's thrust to in, she's thrust into a nightmare as the people she trusts most push her into a drug addiction, self-destruction, and devastating sacrifice. You love how that just yeah. changed? Like, whoa! Creatures <laughs> and intense. something else. <laughs> then also coming out on DVD, Spyro from the book of Saw. And also, Megan is hosting a watch party on Twitter! So if you know, like to but join... by the time this airs, it'll okay, be too late but for still, most people. You, if you're you a Patreon, here's your heads up. Yeah, here's your heads up. Join using hashtag Spiral Watch Party, and then on Wednesday, um, July twenty second, is it? Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe okay. Uh, Kendisha, which I hope I'm saying that right. You know, am yeah. I? Let's find out. It'll be available on Shutter. So this is a stylish and gory take on a Moroccan folk legend of a vengeful female demon. And it sets place in modern day Paris. So during summer break, uh, during summer break, a teenage girl is assaulted by her ex-boyfriend. She then remembers the story of Candisha, a powerful and vengeful demon. Afraid and upset, the teen summons her. The next day, her ex is found dead. The legend is true. And now Candisha is on a killing spree and it's up to the teenage girl and her two friends to break the curse. I think that sounds pretty cool and then uh hitting theaters on friday old old a family old. on a tropical <laughs> john you have to say it too oh thank you <laughs> a family on a tropical holiday discovers that the secluded beach that they're relaxing on for a few hours is somehow causing them to age rapidly reducing their entire lives into a single day and last, Blood Red Sky will be on Netflix. Uh, Megan recently told us about it and said how awesome it is. So we all need to watch it. Watch it. Then put on Bloody Disgusting TV. And then put that on. All done. And that's the Bloody Disgusting podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at Haunted Meg. Zena can be found on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com, and YouTube channel of the same name, or at lovelyzena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. 
Oh, and I'm doing a storytelling pan- or panel for Podbean on Sunday. But Whoa. you guys can check out my social media accounts at CreepyPod for those details. I've never done a panel. I'm so nervous. Oh, my gosh. You're going to be great. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. And for even more content and rewards, check us out on Patreon.com slash BeDisgustingPod. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.